Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You are listening to Rum Hunter Radio, episode number 98. Now just two away from the century mark. Crazy to believe, but we are here, guys, as we roll it into 2023, the first episode of the new year. Thank you guys for joining us today. Marty Lee, Craig Hannity, back with you as always. And Jason Mackey, uh, one of our favorite guests here, uh, joining the podcast as well tonight. Jason, thank you so much for coming on. Excited to talk about this crazy offseason, everything that has gone down. Uh, you know, what is coming up with spring training just around the corner at this point and everything going on in the world of Pirates baseball. But Jason, I know you're a very well-written man, of course, and you cover a lot of different sports. The Steelers, the Pirates, the Penguins. Uh, and Not anymore. The as well. Not anymore. Not anymore. I had an eventful offseason, much like the Pirates. Um, toward the end of the, the 2022 season, I was, you know, moved into a different role, which was my own choice and something we had been pushing toward. And you know, call it a senior sports writer role, supposed to be a bunch of different things. And then, you know, different things happened internally at the Post-Gazette and one of our hockey guys left and just got some stuff changed around. And I also missed baseball. Um, So the opportunity was there to go back and said, screw it, I'm going back. Um, Get to do a lot of the beat um, by myself. And that's not, not a mark against anybody else. It's just like, I like having the control. I like being the guy. So Man, I'm thrilled to be back. It's been a weird off season, but it's fun to be uh, be doing all all pirates and no more penguins, no more Steelers. Yeah, excellent to hear it, and uh, you know a lot to cover with the pirates right now. But yeah. great to hear it. Hope your off season is going well with all that and, and everything else going on as well. I know, like you said before we got on here, you're getting entrenched in the world of, of Pittsburgh Panthers basketball uh, as well. Uh, so good to hear that they're having a great season. Uh, but yeah. as we get into the show tonight, guys, um, you know, really want to get into this offseason a little bit further here and talk about what we're looking at as, you know, just a few weeks away now, as crazy as it sounds from the start of spring training 2023. Jason, what are your thoughts on this offseason as a whole? And, you know, we'll dive into it here specifically as we get into the show. But the Pirates are going to have a much different look in 2023 than they did in 2022. They, they, they really will. And I mean... My sense is that 2022 season was winding down. They were going to legitimately plug holes. Like you could see where they were going to need help. Uh, You're going to have to go out and get this guy or that guy or that type of player, like catcher, you know, that was pretty much assumed. Um, Did I think they were going to do this? No. And that's, that's honestly a question that's been rolling around in my brain a lot this week. Like where did this come from? Not that the pirates did some sort of grand spending thing like i'm aware of what you know carlos correa got or what what the mets did or whatever like i'm not holding the pirates up to that clearly that would be insane but this is not a typical pirates offseason i'm i I question i'm interested whatever like was this from the moment the 2022 season ended was this the plan i'm not sure it was did somebody okay it did somebody say like we're going to do this. We need to make these moves to show this sort of effort. I, Again, I don't know the answer to those questions, but I mean, I like a lot of what they did. I know that's kind of an unpopular opinion in Pirates land right now. Like it seems with each move, there was more and more vitriol, like directed at them or nutting or how they're doing business. But I look at, I mean, the best way for this team, and I'll try to keep this somewhat short, like in, in, my opinion is to, you know, for the best way for them to operate and win is to grow the majority of their talent. They're still working on that. You need the last piece of a bridge to get there. And that's what this accomplishes. And it plugs some holes and it plugs some holes with guys that like, yeah, I can maybe see Carlos Santana and G-Man Choi working out. I, I can see Velasquez or Hill pitching reasonably well. Like I don't expect Austin Hedges to hit, but I expect them to catch. And set a good example for Andy Rodriguez and Henry Davis. Harleen Garcia has been a reliable reliever. 
this bullpen theoretically with health could be better. Um, again, everything with the pirates deserves an asterisk, but I, I don't think this is a hundred loss team. I look for them to, you know, win 74, 75 games and be interesting. And it's, you know, a bridge to the final step of next year where I think it, they should be looking at going over 500. Yeah. I mean, this is, is certainly a bridge and, you know, these moves are moves to at least get the pirates closer to competition in 2023. Why do you think there's that pushback though? I mean, why, why are pirates fans so adverse to some of these moves here? If nothing else, this is a temporary fix to a lot of the problems that we've seen these last few years. It's majorly competent players, at least, right? Yeah. I think they don't trust the Pirates, and I don't blame them for feeling that way. I'm not defending the Pirates. Like, the Pirates have done a lot of stuff to disrupt fans' trust. Like, I think people automatically think about, you know, if you make this trade, what's their track record on making good trades? Well, Clay Holmes, that's not a good trade. Um you know, Josh Bell, I don't think they got enough value back for that. Um, Jamison Tyone, they did fine with. I would say Joe Musgrove, they did fine with. It hasn't been all bad, but, you know, and then you're going to inevitably bring up the Chris Archer trade. Of course, it's a different regime. But if we're talking about, like, you know, fan trust and and saying, are these going to be the right moves? Like, I think just people are mad, man. Like, I'm not breaking any news to you guys. I'm not saying anything that not everybody is aware of like they just want to see winning baseball and they're tired of seeing crap and don't blame them for being tired of seeing crap but like one of the things is and this is like such a bigger discussion for me this is and i grew up here i'm not bagging on pittsburgh like this is my town too but it's something it's so weird in this town like everything that has happened there's some law that people think that it is required to happen again if the pirates bring in all new people and change their practices, the outcomes could conceivably be different. They do not automatically have to repeat everything that has happened in the past. There is nothing precluding the Pirates from finding young players and using them and using them appropriately the way the Cleveland Guardians, Tampa Bay Rays, or Oakland Athletics do. The only thing that's been stopping them in the past is their own brains, and they've made mistakes. So I don't understand why we're automatically saying this group is going to fail because groups before it have failed. I, I don't understand that strand of logic. My rant is over. Sorry. <laughs> no, please. <laughs> whatever, uh, whatever you'd like to rant on, we're here for it. And we've done a lot of the same, um, you know, because we've seen a lot of that reaction on Twitter uh, with, with the people, you know, that follow Rum Buncher, interact with Rum Buncher. And, you know, it's evident with Pirates fans in general, whether it's on Twitter, um, you know, whether it's, it's within, uh, you know, some of the articles you read as well here. People are upset right now, and, and for good reason. The team is obviously – the organization has not been in the best spot these past few years here, but these moves at least you know, suggest um, uh, an idea of trying to win in 2023. We're going to see how it pans out here, but as the Pirates continue to kind of turn the page, um, you, know, you wonder what things look like at the end of 2023. What is this season to you – um, you know, as far as the, the window of contention, do the, where do the Pirates need to get? Who do the Pirates need to bring up and, and what moves need to be made as far as the future? Because obviously the Carlos Santana's and some of these moves are just temporary. Yeah, I mean, I would argue that Santana, not to latch onto this one, Trey, but I mean, I would argue that Santana is probably a little bit more than temporary in that what he's brought in here to do, he's brought in here to produce offensively next season, sure. Um, but I mean, he should have a lasting impact on O'Neill Cruz, Rodolfo Castro, some of the younger Latin guys. And even, I mean, American guys or Asian guys or whomever, like there's nothing that says he can't influence those guys. But, I mean, he should be setting an example. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but I look at this year, like if, if you're going to call this a win, I don't need to see them compete. I don't think they will compete, at least in terms of winning the division. But I look at – I want to see some guys come up here and establish themselves. I want to see Henry Davis and or Andy Rodriguez, hopefully both of them come up here and look competent behind the plate. Great. Like that, that's a win. I want to see Rowanzi Contreras go, you know, beginning to end, stay healthy, develop into the, you know, a one or two. I want to see Luis Ortiz up here. Eventually I want to see what they make out of Johan Oviedo. Um, if you're going to look at other starters like Velasquez Hill, if I get, like a tradable commodity out of the both of them, frankly, I'm good with it. I mean, I love for it to be two, but I realize not every outcome is going to be super positive. 
you know, can you get the pieces of a bullpen that are sustainable? Like, can we get Bednar, Will Crow, Colin Holderman becomes something. Garcia, there's an option there for after this year. Um, what does Mike Burroughs look like? Not that he's a bullpen guy, but just rattling off pitchers that I want to see. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of individual stuff to to look forward to and guys that are not going to be, you know, just short, short timers here. Um, so I don't know. I look at, again, like I said earlier, I think 74, 75 wins would be, people should be interested by that. You need to start. I think just to link it back to the fan base question, like I think fans need to start seeing that this is working. I think it's hard for them to see that because they don't necessarily talk to people, see people in the minor leagues, your casual fan isn't paying attention to what is going on at Altoona or whatever. And I get it, but I think they need to start seeing some of the talented players coming to Pittsburgh and, you know, making it very obvious that there's a direction for this thing. Yeah. You know, Jason, one thing you mentioned that I just wholeheartedly agree with just looking at this upcoming season, these additions they've made, it's not, you know, how many times in the past have we seen Derek Holland? Have we seen Jordan Lyles? Mm-hmm. You know, the guys like that who either are on a minor league deal or for some teams would have been on a minor league deal. It's legitimate major league additions. You look at Rich Hill. I remember after the Pirates signed him, a lot of people in Boston being upset the Red Sox didn't bring him back. You don't you don't see very often. I, I laughed hysterically at the headline. Um, I forget where it was from. Marty, we're going to talk about this. I, we're going to talk about this. Finish your point, though. But I, I remember seeing a headline of people in Boston complaining that apparently the Pirates outbid them for Rich Hill and how bad things have gotten when you're getting outbid by the Pirates. But, um, no, you know, you bring in Hill, who last year, other than Mitch Keller, probably this team's best starting pitcher, you know. You, you bring in Velasquez, who, if nothing else, gives you the ability to piggyback some of your young guys early in the year easy way to watch their workload and their limit and their innings. And then, you know, may transition to a good bullpen armor. Can you give you rotation depth? I think G man, Chuan, Carlos Santana, two good additions to this lineup. One thing you hit with Santana. That's so true is that veteran leadership, you know, especially for those young Latin guys, you know, you look at your middle infield right now and Cruz and Castro, two guys who finished last year, maybe as strong as anybody on this team over the course of the last six, seven weeks. So it's not going to hurt to have that veteran guy, who's been in their shoes as that young international free agent Latin guy who came through the system, having to learn English and just the culture and way of life in major league baseball as much as they did anything else. So I, you know, these, these are all really strong additions they've made, excuse me, and improves the roster. And if they can get the 74, 75 wins, like you said, I think that's just an unequivocal success for this team. You know, first off winning, you know, a 10 plus game improvement for any team is huge. But you get the 74-75 wins, you're a team that you may never truly be in contention, but you're not sitting 20 games out in the middle of July with absolutely nothing to play for already. You know, you're a team that, like you said, you're interesting, you're fun, Um, especially a team that if we can see Andy Rodriguez, Henry Davis, Mike Burroughs, Quinn Priest, those guys you mentioned, come up and contribute, I I think there could could be some parallels between this team in in 2011-2012 where – they didn't make the postseason, but you saw clear improvement. You saw the young guys coming. Exactly. You could see that light at the end of the tunnel. And I think we're getting to that point. You know, you already have Cruz. You already have Hayes. If Reynolds isn't traded, and that's obviously we could do a whole podcast on Brian Reynolds at this point. If he's still around, he's part of that. Um, but yeah, they're there. If everything goes according to plan this year, you should be in a position where come August, September, you're seeing a lot of guys who you know are going to be part of your core moving forward. You see that light at the end of the tunnel, and part of what helps get you there as a team with a respectable record is going to be a lot of these offseason additions they brought in to help you be competitive and win more baseball games than you would have otherwise in those first two, three, four months of the season. Dude, the Rich Hill stuff kills me. It kills me. I'm glad you brought up the difference in how it's viewed in Boston and everywhere else outside of Pittsburgh. Like everywhere else outside of Pittsburgh, the reaction is, hey, Rich Hill, he's 42, he's going to be 43, keeps pitching, that's amazing. He pitched well last year, there's a good arm, that curveball's amazing, like it's super positive. In Pittsburgh, people are mad. 
It's it's a terrible signing. Rich Hill stinks. What are they possibly doing? Like the guy's got a 332 ERA since 2015. Like I tweeted this stat out. I'm sure you guys saw it. Like it's up there with Scherzer, DeGrom, Garrett Cole. Like, no, I'm not putting Rich Hill on that level. At the same time, the guy's not a bum. He doesn't stink. All of a sudden, by saying you're going to be terrible in Pittsburgh, you've made that leap. You have determined that this is the year where he turns into a pumpkin. His arm's going to fall off. He's going to break his leg, whatever. Like, what intel do you have based on that? How many times have you seen Rich Hill pitch? You haven't. You're just upset about the Pirates, and you think everything that happens to the Pirates is going to suck because it has sucked in the past. Yep. Like, that's not logical. That's not yeah. logical at all. Rich Hill can be good. He can be good here. It's, it's funny because a lot of this, Booby, you mentioned your, you know, how many times you see Rich Hill pitch. A lot of these people, the only time they've seen Rich Hill pitch is when he took a no hitter into the bottom of the 10th inning, you know. Right. Like, you so do, it's like that guy, but apparently we don't know. Yeah. The only don't track record you have is the guy taking a no hitter into extra innings, but because of the team he signed with. And you mentioned the ERA since 2015. I, I tweeted that at somebody. And their response to me was something along the lines of, well, he's not with the Pirates, so you know he's not any good. It's just, again, like you said, it's the mentality. It's the mindset. Yeah. And now the enough. Pirates, the Pirates, they created this. They did. They created this. But I still don't understand it as a logical human being where you can look. Like G-Man Choi is another one. Just look at his career stats. There's no reason to believe he's not going to come here and find success, especially the way right field at PNC Park is built for left-handed hitters. There's yeah. no reason to think the guy won't find success here. And yet you have people who, well, if Tampa Bay traded him, he must not be any good. Just was, He was in the roster crunch at Tampa Bay. It's not like they just gave up on the guy. They needed to make room on the 40-man roster, and he was the odd man out. It happens. I was talking to somebody, I think it was yesterday, about sort of the big picture and what the Pirates are doing. Um, and he was saying, like, yeah, I, I really think the Pirates are going to take some steps forward this year. I said, I, I do too. I like some of what they did in the offseason. Like, this is the way this is supposed to go. And we just kind of laughed like, oh, wait, you mean three crappy years where you stink and then you get a little bit better in the fourth year and then a little bit better in the fifth? Wait, that's called a rebuild. Other teams <laughs> have done that. Like, yeah, you can look at the done. Orioles. You can look at the Astros. You can look at the Cubs. Like, no, they're not exactly the same. But there is a methodology for yes. we're going to stink for a couple years and then gradually get better. It has happened before. Just, just look at Neil Huntington's Pirates. That, you know, I know people don't want to hear the name Neil Huntington. That's exactly how it went. The yep. first three years were atrocious. Year four, they came real close to going 500. Years five, six, and seven was one of the three, one of the best three-year stretches in franchise history. Like you said, that's how a rebuild works. I know, man. I know, but you can't convince people of that. You can't convince people that like there might be a method to the madness because then they want to poke holes in the one thing that's failed. But that's hard because in baseball, I mean, much like GMing a team is is a lot like pitching or hitting. Like, you fail a ton. Ben is screwed up. I mean, I'm not, I would never sit here and defend everything Nutting has done or Charrington or anybody. Like, they've screwed up already. But that doesn't mean the whole thing is shot. Yeah. And these moves, too, I mean, you know, I think there's still so much reason to trust in this rebuild. But these offseason moves now – allow for 2023 to be so much more accelerated. You know, you have guys that are going to allow these players to come up and get mentored and, and the success on field now can, uh, you know, change instantly here in 2023 for the Pirates um, with these moves. What was your favorite move out of all this, Jason? I know Rich Hill obviously gets you excited here. Uh, and like you said, Marty, I mean, this is a guy that comes in and it's probably number two to Mitch Keller uh, at, to start the season at the very minimum. Who else, uh, you know, out of this group really gets you excited for this season? Santana. Santana is my favorite one. Um, and for honestly, the non-baseball stuff. Um, and I was going to go on this rant as well. But I mean, this is something that people on the outside don't necessarily understand or see. But like, I think the world of O'Neill Cruz and Rodolfo Castro as players. Could they stand to have an older player kind of looking over their shoulders and be like, guys, guys, enough laughing. Scouting report or something like that, or, you know, we, we do this at this time. We get here at this time. You know, a little bit of a, a injection of professionalism or adultism or whatever you want to say, and that's not taking shots at them. They're just, you know, they're kids that could use a veteran player around. And I, as I understand it, talking to people about Santana, I don't know if the Pirates could have done better in terms of the person that they acquired. Like, yeah, it'll be great if he hits. I think the shift could benefit him. 
he'll play some first base, whatever. But I mean, he knows what he's there to do. Um, you know, it's, it's not alarming, but it's noticeable being in the pirates clubhouse sometimes just how darn young it is. Um, Vogelback was a great addition for that reason. Jose Quintana was a great addition for that reason. Like they brought some legitimacy. You knew that corner of the clubhouse, whether it was the hitters, the pitchers with those two guys, like they were going to be handled appropriately and guys gravitated toward them because there were some sort of miles on the tires. So to me, Santana can be that guy. He can be that guy for a lot of the young Latin talent that they have, which is great. And he can be that guy, you know, sadly, if they end up trading Brian Reynolds, like the, the, the position players are going to need somebody like that as well. And I think Santana obviously is not afraid of that role. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, to get a veteran like that to to mentor these guys is huge. You mentioned catcher, obviously a question mark, a huge question mark heading into this season. Austin Hedges, uh, the, the free agent signing here. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think this is the best case scenario for the Pirates, um, you know, with, with what you know in hindsight now? Or was there a chance for the Berto Perez? How, how do you think all that went down? Yeah, the Perez thing's really weird. Um, they seemed interested in Perez for a good long while, and then it went quiet. Um, I know they wanted him to play winter ball. I don't think he was as keen on playing winter ball as they were on seeing him. Um, but if you're the Pirates – I mean, you don't want somebody who's going to play 15 games and get hurt. And I'm not saying Roberto Perez is going to be that guy, but like I looked at that as there being two doors, like the Austin Hedges door, you know, he's going to play, you know, he's going to catch well. You'd like him to hit. It'd be nice, but I think I'd rather have the guarantee that he's actually going to be there versus Perez where he might hit a little bit more. He might do a fine job catching. Like I really liked what he was there, but he also might not be available at all. And it's going to be a difference between about 2 million bucks. So like, I get what they were ultimately going for with hedges. And I mean, I, I, people probably laugh at me or get mad when I say something like this, but I don't care how he hits. I really don't. It is irrelevant to me. Nobody, very few teams, no teams, whatever, are like basing their offensive output based on what the catcher does. That is a very select few. The best thing he can do, handle the pitching staff catch the ball, block the ball, throw guys out, control the running game. Um, again, mentor Henry, mentor Andy Rodriguez. All of that stuff, it's, wor it's worth its weight in gold. Can he hit better than 163? I'd really hope so. Um, but given their available options and the fact that like you don't want to sign a guy for multi -years, multiple years because you have those two kids coming up, man, I was good with it. I really am. I mean, did they overpay? Maybe. But – you're the pirates right now. You have to overpay. If you're going to get anyone worth a darn here, like, you know, newsflash, it's not a super desirable city to play in right now for major leaguers. And they got a guy who, since he's been in the league has been the best de defensive catcher by a few different metrics. Like I have a tough time arguing with that. Yeah. You know, you mentioned with catcher to me, it's very similar to shortstop. Yeah. You want offense, but if you're getting that elite defense, you're not worried about the offense because of that position, that's what's going to carry the day. And especially with these young catchers, I think, you know, you make a great point about getting a guy for one year. The Pirates were never going to be able to go out and get a Wilson Contreras, whoever else in free agency, because of ND and Henry. First off, you you basically take all the capital you put into acquiring those two players and flush it down the drain. And two, players in free agency, they're not they're not dumb. They, they look at prospect lists. They know who these guys are. They see how oh, you have two catchers in your farm system who are consensus top 100 prospects to the top three or four catching prospects in baseball, I'm not going to go there because you're going to look to run me out of town in a year. Yep. So to, to get the catcher they did in Hedges, I mean, like I said, offensively, is he going to give them anything? Maybe not. But defensively, it's it's so vital on any team, especially when you have those two young catchers, when you have this young pitching staff. I mean, by the end of the year, the Pirates starting rotation could be one of the youngest, yet one of the most intriguing in baseball. So you want that veteran guy there, even if you get – into September, and let's say Hedges is still around and not, excuse me, not catching every day, he still can be invaluable to those pitchers, to either Andy Rodriguez or Henry Davis when they're coming off the field, and that's that's more valuable than offense a catcher in a lot of ways. Yeah, and I mean Austin Hedges came here because they're available reps, right? Like until Henry and Andy are ready, he's going to catch a lot. You know, mm -hmm. if his if his other guy is Heineman, 
I mean, nothing against Tyler Heineman, but you're going to see a lot of Austin Hedges. And so it makes sense for him career-wise. You say, okay, I'm going to use Pittsburgh for what it is, available reps. Um, you know, and the upshot for him is he actually hits, gets his career back on track, and either the Pirates trade him or he just goes somewhere in the offseason. Let's say he continues to not hit. Well, okay. I mean, maybe they keep him on as a backup catcher at a reasonable price. I don't, I don't think anybody here would have an issue with that. Personally, I expect Andy to probably get moved off of that position. I think his bat is too valuable. I like his versatility. I think not that you would do this for this reason, but you know, if you can use Henry there and you know Henry's going to stay there and be competent, I'm much more comfortable moving Andy around a little bit. And, you know, if, if it's Henry and Austin Hedges, if that's your pairing for 2024, I'm pretty sure as long as Henry's hitting, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned those catchers moving forward. I know a lot of people point to Henry Davis, especially because the injuries are potentially moving off the position. But you know, you mentioned with Andy Rodriguez. To me, it's it's very comparable to Dalton, Dalton Varsho. You know, yeah, yeah, he can catch, but with how good that bat is, how good of an athlete he is, you know, let's take advantage of his ability to play over the field, get that bat in the lineup while still having that great catcher defense back with the guy that catches and. You know, it's, it's, it's a good problem to have. You know, the Pirates don't have good problems. They haven't had a lot of good problems in recent years. And the catching situation, you know, might become a good problem here real soon if Hedges is healthy and doing his thing defensively. And Andy Rodriguez and Henry Davis come out this year. And, you know, knock on wood, they stay healthy and they do. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details what you expect offensively, all of a sudden you, you, you've got a good thing cooking there in one of the most, most important positions on the diamond. And again, that's something we haven't seen in Pittsburgh in quite a while. I want the Pirates to get like 2024 Pirates. We finally have good problems shirts. <laughs> something like that. would be solid. Yeah, that would be. And you know, you, you get your catchers to work out and Burroughs and Priester and Luis Ortiz all pan out to go with Oviedo and Keller and Contreras. And there you go. There, there's your good problem. So, you know, we, we probably just curse the team and those guys will all <laughs> I was going to say. In all seriousness, though, it could be. Again, it's what we talked about. That's one of the things that's going to make this year so intriguing and potentially interesting and fun is there is, you know, a higher ceiling there than I think a lot of people realize where this team come July or August could, you know, be pretty interesting with a lot of young, very high ceiling talent out there on the roster running around every day. And you know what I would, as a fan, I'm would much rather watch that team go out there and lose than watch a veteran laden team go out there and, you know, struggle to go 500 because that younger squad is always going to have the higher ceiling. And sometimes guys have to learn, you know, I know Neil Huntington was big on this, that you gotta you gotta fail before you learn to succeed type of thing. And that, yep. but that's true in sports. Sometimes you look at Mitch Keller, I think he's a fine example of that. He came up and took his lumps for two years and now is looks like he's really figured it out. So sometimes guys have to come up and struggle. And I'd rather watch those guys struggle now when you're not expecting to compete and work through that in a season like this. So in 2024 and beyond, they are ready to potentially help this team, you know, compete for a wild card spot. Yeah, that's the kind of the way I see this thing going. Like, I think they're going to start decently. I think midway through the season, you're going to be like, wow, these guys like aren't bad. They're pretty interesting. Some of the veterans here, some of the kids. Like, it's going to be a nice mix of things. And then I think you're going to start to see them peter out a little bit. Like, I mm -hmm. think it's probably going to, you know, it's going to become too much for them or you're going to trade veterans or they're just, they're not used to being in a 162 game, you know, grind, having to do it for that long. Like, I just think, things will come apart a little bit. They're not going to be able to sustain it, but you know, much like 2012 fed it into to, to 2013. Like I think there's going to be a lot of lessons learned and it'll ultimately be a very important season for them. 
Yeah, and, and interesting and fun. Two words used there, Marty. I think two great words for it because we haven't had a lot of that the last few seasons. There's at least interest, you know, and some things to make this season fun. A, a deadline that's going to be much more fun potentially here uh, as well along with it. And, you know, hopefully the, the Pirates do compete for a bit. Obviously, the NL Central, not the most stout division of baseball at the moment. So, you know, the potential there as well. One thing that could drastically change what the Pirates look like in 2023, Brian Reynolds, whether he is on the roster or not. Obviously, Jason, this the most talked about headline of the offseason, probably the most written about, the most covered. The thing that, that Pirates fans are talking about the most, want to know the most, what is going to happen to Brian Reynolds? What do you forecast here? And you know, what was your reaction when you saw the request uh, from Reynolds? Yeah, um, well, the, the first reaction was something i probably shouldn't say on a podcast because it was like on a random saturday that i got the phone call that it was happening and i told my wife and we were both like oh you know what and um she's like well i'll see you later she took the kids <laughs> they left the house i'm like all right i gotta write this now turned into a nuts day but um no shocked i was certainly certainly shocked um one of the reasons was because of how Reynolds has talked about his time in Pittsburgh. Um, he talked, I remember in Baltimore this year, I talked to him about his like future here and just him reiterating how much he liked it. We're going to be, you know, good quicker than a lot of people think we are and that he's happy and he wants to stay, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, and I, I still believe a kernel of that or, or part of that. I mean, it's obviously a contract dispute, not so much Reynolds like being unhappy in Pittsburgh. It's just, he's not going to ever get what he thinks he's worth. Um, I do think he's, I'm sorry, this is bouncing around a little bit, but like, I do oh, think please. he's going to get traded before the end of the season. Um, I think they could do it before opening day. I'm not guaranteeing that it will happen before opening day. I think they could possibly wait until the deadline and, and, you know, try to get more, um, but I don't think it it behooves them to do it any later than after the season, just because of the years of control, they do matter. Um, I think they just have to be careful about, we want to get a deal that we really like. We don't want to look like we're acquiescing to a trade demand, but his value is probably at its highest point right now, which is, you know, strategically why and how the request was made. Um, so I don't know. I, we, we'll kick around a lot of stuff, you know, their offer, to him i i've written and said a decent amount of this but i mean you could put it in the 80 million dollar range say six years is probably my best guess on a year um you know and and that's obviously wasn't what reynolds was looking for you know the the matt olson comp i wrote in a, a recent story is more of what you know the, the song he was trying to sing and and what they want out of this deal and i also reported that they were about 50 million apart which i also stand by so i mean you get what, what they're looking for. You get what the Pirates are doing. Um, the Pirates are basically, you know, they're only going to go so far. I'm not defending it, um, but it's it's not going to be what is palatable to Reynolds. Um, it's a really weird thing to me in that I could make a case, and I did in that article, where, you know, he's, he's like a Sean Murphy comp. You know, you could look at him at a $73 million contract about what, but you know what Murphy made Murphy accrued his value in a different way and say, well, okay, I can kind of see it. Um, or you could look at it like the Olsen contract and say, Holy crap, he's worth more war per year than, than Olsen is. And he should probably just wait and not sign anything. So anyway, it's been a whole crazy convoluted thing. I understand why teams are involved, you know, so there's so much interest in him. I think that's obviously in the pirates favor, but I ultimately think he probably ends up in, I don't know, Texas or Toronto or, where the heck else Yankees even I wouldn't rule them out. You know, there's, there's Seattle is another one that, that has really liked him. Miami, there's all kinds of crap floating around there at this point. You know, you mentioned the day that you broke that story about the trade request, and I don't remember what it was. I remember we were getting ready to do something though. And I just got home from the gym. Like, well, let me grab a quick shower real quick. And the wife and I are going to do something with the kids. And Nick texted me the link to that. And I was like, oh, the same as you. I was like, oh, well, here we go. You know, my mm -hmm. whole day's off the rails now. But, um, yeah, it, <clears throat> I agree with you. I think he's moved before the end of the calendar year for the same reasons you said. It's just at this point, unfortunately, I, I don't foresee a way that this relationship is salvaged. Um, no, none. You none. know, it's just it's not going to happen. 
especially with the superstar type player. And and one thing that makes this one so much different than you see a lot of times in sports, when guys request that trade, it's because they have one year left and they wanted to get that extension before any free agency didn't work. With three more years, it's just there's no way you're going to make this work for three years without it being incredibly awkward and burning a lot of bridges along the way. Um, yeah, like you said, Texas, Miami, I, I think – I think if the Miami Marlins wanted to, they could call Ben Charrington and have a trade done in about 90 seconds because of the pitching they have to offer. Yeah. Um, and, you know, with Miami too, what would intrigue me at them is, you know, a guy like J.J. Blade, who, I mean, he struggled last year, but his first taste of major league, facing major league pitching, throw him in there as a replacement for Reynolds. I think that's one team that, you know, if they wanted to, they could have that deal done in about 90 seconds in and out. But, um, yeah, I think if he's not moved – by the time pitchers and catchers report next month, I would feel safe saying he's probably here till at least the deadline, but I'm with you. I don't, I, by this time next year, I don't see him when we're sitting here in January 11th, 2024, I don't see Brian Reynolds with the pirates, which is unfortunate. I mean, the guy is so incredibly underrated in my opinion. I think it's because he plays in Pittsburgh. Um, I saw someone today on Twitter posting stats, comparing his career stats to Vlad Guerrero jr. Yeah. So that's him. Yeah. It just goes to show how good of a player he is, and he just doesn't get the recognition he deserves. I think a lot of it's because he's been on just one horrendous team after another in his career. Um, and even in Pittsburgh, I think there's always been a lot of animosity towards him because he was the guy that Andrew McCutcheon was traded for. And, you know, right, wrong, or otherwise, whenever you trade a player the caliber of McCutcheon, not just the caliber of McCutcheon, but that meant as much to a fan base, to a franchise, to a city as McCutcheon did, the player you get in return, as we've seen in Reynolds, could be an absolute superstar, and there's going to be some people who are always going to have an issue with it. But, um, yeah, I'm with you. I think he's moved before the end of the calendar year. You know, from talking to some people that we know that work within the industry, it definitely seems like I, I could get on board with him probably being moved before the season starts, but we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I it's unfortunate because he could definitely be a big part of this thing the next few years, but I do think he – He's gone before the calendar flips to 2024. One of the things that bothers me about this, Marty, is like connecting Reynolds to this, like the whole Pirates plan being screwed or like the Pirates being in bad shape or Nunning being an idiot or whatever. Like if you dislike, if you, if you, if you don't think the plan is in a good place or you think Nunning's an idiot independent of Reynolds, I mean, by all means, formulate your own opinions. But like I don't connect the two as much as other people. Like, you know, I get why the pirates are doing what they're doing. And, you know, does it make a ton of sense for them to like, let's just spitball a contract. Let's say they went eight years and like 140 million on Reynolds or something like that. I know that's insane in pirates land. That's twice the most money they've ever asked anybody, but like, you know, that would theoretically get something done with Reynolds. I feel pretty confident in that. Now, you're going to commit that much money to an outfielder who finishes his contract at what age 35, age 36. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what if there, it doesn't yeah. end well? Is that the smartest business decision you can make? Everybody looks at it right now and says, Oh, how could they not? Blah, blah, blah. But like, that's what it would take to get it done. Um, does that make the, you know, theoretical six year, $80 million offer um, illegitimate or something? I don't know. I mean, I, I see what they're getting at there. I don't really have an issue with that, but I mean, the situation with Reynolds should have been rectified in like 2019, 2020. The issue is that they waited too long. They -hmm. should have extended him after the 19 season, worst case after the 20 season and bet on this. This is the way they're going to have to do things. The ship has sailed. They waited too long. And and now it just, the deal doesn't work for the pirates. It doesn't work for Reynolds and you move on. And I don't, it's, it's not a, oh man, Reynolds is unhappy with the entire operation and he thinks the plan is screwed, so you should too. No, it's just that his contract isn't going to happen here because it doesn't make sense for the Pirates at this point. Yep. Um, but it, it it doesn't make sense for Reynolds to sign in because he can just say, I'm not signing anything. I'm going to keep playing baseball and make $160 million. If I have to do it in Atlanta, I'll go do it in Atlanta. I'm just making that up. But you know, that's that's the way I look at it. It's just I don't I don't like mixing the two of them because I think the pirates plan and what they're doing can work. But I, I also think it would make sense that it doesn't include Brian Reynolds and that Brian Reynolds might not want, want to be a part of that because it's not going to pay him the maximum amount of money he can make. Yeah. You know, a couple of points off of that, that you know, you mentioned them not striking earlier with Reynolds. 
um, twofold. One, that is why right now I would love the Pirates to be all over talking to O'Neill Cruz and trying yes. to get something done immediately. Yes. Immediately. And two, that was one thing that as much flack as they caught, and rightfully so at the end, that the old regime did such a great job of. Starling Marte, Andrew McCutcheon, Gregory Polanco, so many of those guys, they got in early, got those long-term deals done, and then reaped the benefits of it. Um, and the other thing with Reynolds, you know, you mentioned people feeling like, oh, if if they do move him, this de- just derails everything. I agree with you. It, it doesn't necessarily. Um, this past Saturday, Nick, my wife and I were Nick's house. Them and his wife seen the baby. And Nick and I were talking about it. We said, you know, there's a lot of mock trades you can draw up. Where as crazy as it sounds, the Pirates might be a slightly better team after trading Reynolds because of some of the pieces they could get. You know, just to go back to Miami, you look at Miami. Let's say you get a guy like Jesus Lazardo and Edward Cabrera as your two main pieces. They immediately go into your starting rotation. Those two with Keller and Contreras and Rich Hill, that's a, that's a pretty dang yeah. solid starting rotation. And then you would have a guy like Oviedo. And and what if you extended Cruz with that money that you saved? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's what we said, too. Not, you didn't take the money terrible. you're not spending on Reynolds, and you give it to Cruz, and all of a sudden your long-term outlook looks better than it does with Reynolds in the mix. So it's – I agree with you. Those are two things that don't have to be intertwined. Now that's where the ball is in Ben Charrington's court of assuming, you know, this is a, a when not if cut type of deal. When this trade does eventually happen, it's up to him, his scouts, his staff, you know, Steven Sanders, everybody involved to make sure they bring in the appropriate return and they bring in the pieces that are then going to blossom in Pittsburgh and make the pirates a better team. But there is definitely scenarios where Reynolds is moved and coming out of that trade because of what they get in return. Like you said, with the capital, they could then have to put into an O'Neill cruise that the pirates are in a better, better situated long-term than they are with Reynolds. Yeah. I mean, there's so many scenarios, you know, we've gone through on this podcast and, you know, so many different trade mock-ups that you'll see out there. And you had an article out a couple of days ago, you might've been referencing this one a, a bit ago here, Jason, but uh, you know, the headline establishing value has proven to be a, a tough part of Brian Reynolds' situation. Um, you know, and some of that comes with the delay on uh, the contract even and just kind of guy that he is, the kind of player that he is. He's not, you know, one of these high-key, high-profile players. Talk about that article a little bit and, and, you know, what kind of return that the Pirates can realistically hope for here because, you know, the value for a guy like Brian Reynolds – Maybe doesn't have that kind of allure like some other free agents uh, that we've seen here get contracts recently. Yeah, I mean, the idea was, I mean, honestly, that they waited too long to do this. And then, like, how do you look at Reynolds? How do you look at Reynolds? And I could have said this more explicitly in the piece, but, you know, he wasn't good in 2020. It was also 55 games. So, I mean, you're looking at this season as being bad, but it was just a bad start. He had a bad start this past year and he climbed out of it. He just didn't have a chance to climb out of it. So, I mean, from, from the very beginning of Brian Reynolds being here, it's been a difficult situation to extend him. Like after the 2019 season, you have the total regime change and I don't blame Ben Charrington or whatever for saying, Oh, here's this player that we've really not paid a bunch of attention to. And we're supposed to go, you know, because he wasn't with our organization we're supposed to sign him to the richest contract in franchise history or something like that. Like that just doesn't make sense. Like you don't do any business like that right away. And so, all right, you missed that opportunity. And then after 2020, like I also get Reynolds based on his year, not wanting to sign anything there because you feel like you're getting load ball and that's not an accurate representation of you. Um, so from the very beginning, it's been a difficult thing to pin down his value. And then like, you know, you guys know me and, and the business well enough, like, there's clearly um, from one side, I deal with the pirates and I deal with Reynolds camp, like certain feelings on how he should be valued. And like, I understand what that side is saying. I understand what that side is saying. You can make a case again. And I did um, on both sides that he should be looked at a certain way uh, when it comes down to it. I mean, you have Brian Reynolds objectives and the pirates objectives and they're competing, but if I want to look at it strictly based on numbers, I could compare him to Sean Murphy, and I did. And that would be a, a contract the Pirates would take in a heartbeat. You could say, well, you know, your offensive value, like clearly Brian Reynolds is a much better offensive player. Sean Murphy is a much better defensive player. And, you know, they sort of they, they mesh in a pretty decent way. And if I'm Brian Reynolds, I could say, well, the offense doesn't really matter all that much. I'm still a gold glove candidate. 
you know, I started in an all-star game. I'm averaging more war per year, as I said earlier, than Matt, Matt Olson, who got, I think, 8 and 168 off the top of my head. Like, why wouldn't you try to do that and not tether yourself to 6 and 80 right now? Like, if I was Reynolds, I would probably do the same thing. But I would understand why my employer would try to get me to sign for 6 and 80 at this point, especially if they were having to build their teams with a conservative budget. Yeah, I think that's spot on, you know, and that's why it's it's difficult because, you know, it's not about the organization. It's not about the city, the team for Reynolds. It's it's strictly about that, you know, about not getting the deal. And, and it is understandable there uh, for Brian Reynolds. Uh, you know, in a best case scenario, what are the Pirates looking at? I guess, which team oh, do you yeah, think is most that. likely? No, you're all good. You're all good. At this point, I know it's, uh, you know, it's bounced around and we've seen so many different theories and, and, and different projections here. What do you think is the most likely, if you had to say, I know it's hard to pin down, but, um, you know, what kind of scenario? And I guess if you had to guess a timeline here, what does it look like most realistically for Reynolds? Yeah, I mean, they, they should, would hope to get at least one top 100 guy. Um, I'd prefer for them to come out with two if they could. Um, if, if you get one and it's top 50, okay. Um, you, you should have a pitcher in there somewhere. Um, I, I can understand if you want your top guy to be a pitcher and you want like a top 100 prospect pitcher, like it's sort of can't miss type. Great. Um, I'd be wanting some sort of like major league caliber return, uh, position player wise, preferably an outfielder. Um, if maybe you can get somebody who hits right-handed and handles lefties well, that would be a good way to scratch an itch with something. Um, I like three pieces for this trade. I'm not sure if I have a like heavily scientific reason for that, but I feel like he can warrant it. I suppose if you give me like two premium, you know, upper level close to the major league prospects, I could be okay not getting a third piece, but I'd kind of like somebody, you know, in double A, high A, somebody like that I can feel good about as well. Um, but I understand them wanting to wrap it around pitching. If you give me two pitchers and a position player and some of those parameters, I, I think you might have something And timeline trade, not to ignore that again. I mean, I, I think it happens before the end of the calendar year. Um, I think one of the concerns honestly is like going to spring training, right? Like you're going to go to spring training. You're going to be around these teams and playing in the grapefruit league. There's going to be New York media because the Yankees, Boston media, because the Red Sox, there's all this, you know, attention that the pirates really usually don't get and don't really want, especially not in this scenario. MLB network's going to swing by and like the dominant story around your team then becomes what happens with Brian Reynolds. What are they going to do with Brian Reynolds? Where's Brian Reynolds going to go? And like nobody else is talking about, I don't know, a Neil Cruz or Alonzo Contreras, some of the team building jobs you've done. Like, you know, it's going to become not a distraction. It's just more isolated attention on that than the rest of your team. And I don't think that's fair to the rest of the guys and what they're doing. You know, that the, they should, there should be talk about Carlos Santana or Austin Hedges or Rich Hill or what the pitching staff can do and David Bednar and this, that, and the other. Like, I just, you know, I don't, I don't think you want that. You don't want that and you're going to make a bad, bad deal to make it go away. But if you can make a good deal and make it go away, I think it's in their best interest to do that. Yeah. One thing with that too, Jason, you know, if you come out and you make that good deal, then all of a sudden, you know, you can be talking about O'Neill Cruz. You can be talking about what Carlos Santana is going to do for this team from leadership, whatever young players they get in that rental trade. You can be talking about those guys and where they fit in long-term Let's say you land two starting pitchers there, like you said, and all of a sudden you you can have Derek Shelton, Ben Charrington, ever to say, man, we got these two guys. We got Contreras. Keller's turned a corner. We like what we have in Oviedo. We like we have in Priester and Burroughs. All of a sudden you, you can get the pirate PR machine rolling in a good direction and yep. not – I mean, like you said, if they go into spring training and Reynolds is still on this team, and this is a big reason why I think if I had to you know place a bet, I would bet on him moving before spring training – is it's it's going to be a disaster from that front because, like you said, it's all you're going to hear. You're going to have people talking to Reynolds about it. It's going to make things uncomfortable and weird for him. It's going to make it uncomfortable and weird for this entire clubhouse. And, you know, the team as a whole, you're going to spend all season on pins and needles just waiting for when is he moved. And as you and I both said, we both can see a scenario where this team starts out pretty decent. You get into June and maybe you're hanging around 500 and you're not a terrible team, 
And the story should be the young guys who are progressing, these veterans who've come in and provide leadership, you know, the pirates starting to show signs of improvement. And yet the story will still be, well, when you get to July 31st, what's going to happen to Brian Reynolds, you know? And like you said, you're not going to swing a deal just to make a deal, make it go away. But if you can get a deal you like, and I still think that that's very doable with a lot of teams, um, Miami, Texas, Seattle, the Dodgers, there's so many teams out there where there's a lot of fits that make sense. I think it gets done. And yeah, that's, that's where I totally agree with you by the end of the calendar year, I think he's gone, but I think if I had to bet, I'd say by spring training and you know, you, you really laid out a lot of reasons why I think it behooves the pirates to move him sooner rather than later, assuming that there's deals on the table that they like. Yeah. You know, and if not, you hope he, this headline at least doesn't overshadow what's going on in spring training. Like it has this off season. Cause a lot of good, like we talked about tonight, has gone on this offseason. It set the Pirates up for a much different 2023. Jason Mackey, covering the Pirates for the Pittsburgh Post-Cadet, does such an excellent job there. Uh, Jay Mackey PG on Twitter as well, guys. Be sure to follow him. Jason, any pieces you got coming up you're excited about? Anything else you want to share tonight as we begin to close it down here on Run Budget Radio? Yeah, I nothing huge. If anybody has paid attention the past two days, I, I talked to Oscar Marine a little while about the the pitching staff. And it's been a while since I had a long chat with Oscar, so it was good to do that. Um, might catch up with Andy Haynes next week. I feel like the same might be in order for that. Um, angling for something with uh, Ben Charrington, but I can't be any more descriptive than that. Um, <laughs> what is I think tomorrow is the deadline to exchange arbitration figures. I want to say or or settle before exchanging whatever. Um, yeah, but that's I think that's it. I think that's it. Jay Mackey, PG, post-gazette.com. Thank you guys, as always, for, for having me on. It's it's fun to be back doing this stuff, man. I'm, I'm excited to uh, to make more appearances if you'll have me this season. So, Yeah, awesome. absolutely. Whenever, whenever I saw the message from you on Twitter, I was very excited that uh, you're back in the business for hopping on the podcast here. So definitely definitely plan on making this a uh, – as we, we had planned last year before things change a little bit, making this a regular appearance as the season moves on. So. Yeah, I, uh, I don't plan on many more changes for my work and job life. I plan to cover baseball and a lot of it for a fairly long time. So you guys will be stuck with me. Hey, sounds good to us. We appreciate it. You're stuck with us, Jason, really. I mean, it's, uh... <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast tonight, sharing your thoughts. I'm sure we'll talk to you again before the season starts up here. Uh, but as we begin to close down here, Marty, anything going on with Rum Hunter this week uh, as we begin to look to spring training here? Uh, and, you know, as we begin to start to close off the offseason, as crazy as that is to think about. Yeah, not a whole lot. Just our usual, you know, sitting out any any news that breaks, we'll have you covered. Um, continue to delve into some prospect previews and things like that. Just the the good January filler contact kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, continue to follow RumBunner.com, at RumBunner on Twitter, RumBunner on Facebook, the podcast. I mean, if you're listening to it, you know where to find us right now. So, yeah, follow along. And like we've said, before you know it, little over a month from now, pitchers and catchers are reporting to Bradenton, and that's when things really start to get fun. <laughs> Closer than you know it, guys. Thank you for joining us for episode number 98 of Rum Buncher Radio. For Marty Leap and Jason Mackey, my name is Trey Yannity. Thanks for joining us, guys. Let's go Bucks. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.